Welcome back to Scent World, a show that explores the power of expressing yourself through scent. Today, we're featuring David Seth Moltz, the co-founder of DS and Durga, based in New York City. David says that when he started out, he knew nothing about perfume business or the perfume business. From his Bushwick apartment, he began making fragrances for friends and at one point joined forces with his wife Kava Moltz to bring DS and Durga to life. They brought together their backgrounds in music and architecture to create scents as immersive experiences or what they refer to as armchair travel. In this episode, David sits down with Brittany Jackson Mosley, who runs integrated marketing at Scentbird. He talks about what it took to break into the industry, how he became a self-taught perfumer, and his exploration with fragrance ingredients, including the most expensive ingredient in the world. Experience perfume as armchair travel with David Seth Maltz on Scentworld. Diaz and Durga, you are the Diaz. David Seth Moltz is my name. David Seth Moltz and the Durga. My wife's name is Kavi, but I called her Durga based on this uh, movie by Pazar Panchali, where there's a character named Durga, and Durga's a Hindu goddess. It was my early nickname for her, and, you know, no longer, really. We don't use it it that much. I don't know. It's sweet, but it makes the name iconic and stand out. That's awesome. Um, I had to ask you that because a lot of people don't know that. No, it's usually when we train. So one of the first things we explain. Do a lot of people ask that when they come in the store? Yeah, I think people want to know, like, just when you're training and stuff, where where the name comes from. I mean, it is very aughts to be, like, blank and blank. Mm -hmm. You know, that was all over the place. And (laughs) so I feel like the Ambersand is, like, that's where we're from, you know. I miss the aughts. Yeah. Are we out of the aughts? We are, yeah, right? Way out, way out. Where are we at? We had the tens already. The tens, you have to start over. Yeah, I'm talking like O2, you know? Yeah, I digress. So you started the DS and Durga brand with your wife in 2007, and it evolved over the years and launched around 2009. Take me back to that moment when you and your wife were talking and you decided to start the brand. I don't think I actually ever told anyone this. I, I remember this. We were like lying in bed and she was like, we should start a brand. And I was like, what do you mean? Oh, by the way, no one used the word brand. We did not know what the word brand meant. She's like, we should start a company, I'm sure. I'm self-taught. I came up with my own system. I make really rich narratives that you can enter in your nose. I'm a trained architect. Kavi builds buildings for our fragrances, cities for our universe. We're part of that whole DIY Brooklyn thing. DS and Durga is a labor of love. When we started, we didn't know anything about perfume, business, or the perfume business. You know, a lot of our friends made their own like shoes and ties and jewelry. And it was like very like, you know, 19th century fetishism at that time, just like doing your own thing. Yes. I started making uh, scents and people really liked them. And she was like, we should start a company. She worked at an architecture firm and could like, you know, m- cut the labels there. And, uh, you know, we just set up my apartment to like make perfume and it took off very quickly. You know, we did not know what we were doing at all. What were some of those early tinkerings that you, you Actually, created? Actually, cowboy grass is from that era. It's still a fragrance that we have. And it's why it's so weird because I didn't really know how to make perfume when I made it, you know? <laughs> so I would soak lots of like herbs and stuff in alcohol first and then add things to it. Like, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking, but I was just, you know. Oh, well, the truth is we were going away on the weekends a lot to these like 
uh, you know, just you want to get out of the city, young and in love, and like going to used bookstores. And I was always tr- going over to the herb section and the the plant section. And I didn't know what it was going towards. Like, did I want to start like gardening or like, I knew I was very interested in the plants that were growing around me in the city and learning what they all were. Uh, and in the back, they'd always have these like arcane recipes, you know, like boil the fat of a small dog, like, like with rose hips, like from the 1600s, you know? <laughs> and so some of those like first ingredients, I'd be like, oh, I need to get like, you know, the whatever, like dried limes or benzoin or any of these things and start making things. So that really was the genesis of making strange sort of like potions. We always say we didn't know anything about perfume, didn't know anything about business and didn't know anything about the perfume business. So we were just like making cool shit for our friends. And, you know, it just like took off. And, and we, you know, I worked in like, cool like restaurants and coffee shops and so just new people so we got really quickly into like Ernest Sohn and Freeman's and in God We Trust and so right away we're in these like three cool stores and then people start like asking about you because it's such a top-down industry right it's really hard right. to break into and back then there was no information on the internet at all of like how to do any of this you it's know it's quite I just a had closed to f- industry right yeah for sure it, it still is to some it, it is in a lot of ways but you know you had to figure out I just had to figure out like how to do it, started making things and, you know, there was demand for it right away. And so we quit our jobs and just went full, you know, full force into it pretty soon. Like by 2008, I had like quit my job. Same with her. Wow. So when did you know, like, this is exactly what I want to do. We're going all in. What made you take that leap? So I was a musician. I always knew that that's what I was going to do. I was going to, you know, make music and, you know, trying to make it. And there, there is actually a song somewhere of called Perfume that I wrote with my old band called Salt and Samovar, where I'm discussing like giving up music for perfume and like why that is. It's just, you got to go where the love is. Trying to make perfume. I'm sick of how all soft these songs do bloom. All of a sudden, you know, I realized, so Kavi was an architect, I was a musician. She realized, oh, I can like take all of my design wisdom and make products. And by the mm-hmm. way, they come right out. Like you might be making something for a building. It takes like 10 years and there's like a lot of red tape. Right. Um, and I was like, oh, all the worlds and things that I want to world building, I want to talk about in uh, music. I can do this in fragrance. And so I had to learn like how to do it. And, you know, I think I can probably figure out any like artistic discipline. Like I can't. Not good at like building things that really like matter, you know. Like I wouldn't be able to like. So you wouldn't build a home structurally. Yeah, I'm not gonna like fix a car engine or something, but I'm sure I could become like a sculptor, you know. Absolutely. If I, if I put my mind to it. I don't know. What were some of the early ways you studied perfumery and kind of learned your way into becoming a perfumer? I made such a ridiculous system. I so I made the system up. Like okay, so I have. I just got every material I could and smelled it. And you know, a lot of this is you could write it down, but. It, if you keep it in your mind, it's fine. I I just take impressions of everything that I'm smelling throughout the day and can sort of go back and access them in my mind. Like I don't really need to write down. Like I could remember this specific tree in Turks and Caicos that I smelled like a few years ago and like how to like recreate it, you know? It's like photographic memory, but with your nose. Right. Yeah, maybe. It, it's, yeah. Yeah. I can remember how something smelled and then like try to recreate it, you know, more or less. Using the visuals though, I see the visuals in my head as well. I'm not photographic memory at all. And yeah, I don't know. I never thought about it, but may- maybe something like that. This is crazy. So all a perfume is, is just, just to anyone trying to make their own perfume, I'm going to help you out so much right now. 
All a perfume is, is the difference in weights between materials, nothing else. That's all it is. Because wow. weight is the same up high in the in the cold mountains and like down in the, the hot earth. Like weight is weight. Like, But volume, volume is different. Mm. So like uh, Jasmine Absolute, like at this temperature is going to be very different like than when it's cold, right? It's going to get bigger. But so in the beginning, I didn't realize this. So I would, I would measure how many drops of each single oil that I had. And you know, it's probably like a thousand or something into one eighth of a teaspoon. And then I would ramp up like through math, like, uh, like how many drops of something should be in a batch of something. But once I realized like, there's, it's not going to be consistent like that. You have to get a scale and weigh out those 16 drops or one drop or whatever it is so that you can calculate via grams. I don't think yeah. when you say all it is, is this, that is not something that most people I think can just right. pick up. You, well, but I'm saying once you know that, that it's just take a thousand parts mm -hmm. and put a thousand parts into something and, and that's a perfume. So, so it's a perfume oil that you're focusing on, but the, the challenging part is kind of bringing the the combination or the the accord together in a way oh, that I mean I think it's endlessly it's literally what you can make is endless so no yeah. it's I'm definitely simplifying it by saying it's that but at least starting from that rather than like people are like what do you do do you distill all your own herbs do you do you take yeah. like flowers from the field and like put them in you know people don't know like of course you can't make a perfume by that so it's just weighing things out and then then it's the same each time right because you go back like two grams of rose oils two grams of rose oil forever i'm just trying i'm just thinking about making a how disastrous it would be if i just started becoming i mean a i made so many terrible things to this day i just got something today that was awful and i was like what was this and like ah, <laughs> oh, yeah i i in nantucket two summers ago i think i found a uh like a washed up seal and uh, it was like decaying. It was like, like the animal seal. It was a dead seal that had been ripped by like a shark or something. It was oh all. Oh my gosh, it's it, horrific. It, it was crazy. And it smelled like you cannot believe. It was probably one of the grossest things I've ever smelled in my life. It was so strong. And I took one of the teeth, this tooth, and that tooth, like the smell of it, it was bananas, like just cra the craziest smell. And I actually soaked it in alcohol. Uh, and it would have been so great. I should have kept that. Then I would have had the the reference point. Right. But then I soaked it uh, overnight in DS and Durga Big Sur After Rain hand sanitizer because this was during the, the <laughs> pandemic to kill off anything. Uh, but the memory of that smell, I was trying to like recreate the smell of what this walrus tooth or uh, you know, seal tooth smelled like in a in a pleasing, amazing way because it's it's a crazy, crazy smell. You know, we use ambergris, not yeah, real ambergris, but whale. we use yeah parts of whale, not the or real parts stuff. Of deer. But I would say the foundation of modern perfumery has to be based upon the aroma chemicals present in ambergris, you know? Absolutely. And someone had to discover that and say, okay, this smells really interesting. And then it made its way into perfumery. But um, it's so interesting that it's almost like fragrance creation is in your DNA. It's part yeah. of something that you're always inspired too, by. Like, I, they're both music and fragrance are very, are invisible art forms. Yes. Uh, but they conjure visual landscapes, you know, for most people. And and I think color is a big part of it. I think I do have synesthesia where I can like right. smell something and and I see the color of it. And that so it's it's a little bit like painting in that way. I can like lighten up the yellow or bring in red or that kind of thing sometimes. So that helps. And it, yeah, it is a system that just seems to make sense to me. But I don't not think I could like teach it to someone else. I'm working on a book. And I think that that, that would be very helpful to just be like, this is what I think about perfume and like how I see it. Because, you know, there's a traditional 
I was just talking to a perfumer the other day at the Fifi's. She works for IFF and she was, um, you know, mentioning all these perfumes. And I was like, I've never smelled that. And she's like, what do you mean? And I was like, I just like, <laughs> I've never, I feel too awkward, like walking into a perfume store and like smelling a lot of stuff. Yeah. And then I, I don't know. I just haven't smelled like uh, that many perfumes. Uh, all these ones she was referencing and she was like, oh, I have the gas spec of that. She could like see everything in things. And I'm like, that's crazy. Like I, I could copy something over time if I like smell it and go back and forth a mm -hmm. little bit. Um, but a gas spec is, tells you 98% accuracy or something, right? For me, from the outside observer, it's a genius level ability of recreating a scent because a lot of people can identify them or say, okay, I like this or can't, but there's not a lot of ways to describe it. Right. And through your fragrances, you're able to translate a story or a memory into something that's real yeah. and tangible and something you can smell. I'm very into realistic scent recreation. So like if you smell my thing, I want like Rockaway Beach, our fragrance that we came out recently. Like it really smells like the beach. It's not like a fantasy of like yes. just like suntan lotion and coconuts. It's like, nope, it smells like you're by the water. Because I, I like the use of ozones to place you like right in the space, you know, in the forest, the desert, ocean. I, to me, a perfume is like a landscape that you can enter and like walk around in and you can wear it on your skin throughout the day. Just like reading like a very like engrossing novel or a piece of music that takes you to another place. Right. And you've said, um, and you say this a lot in your brand and on your website, perfume is armchair travel. Right. Yeah, exactly. I, I love the idea of armchair travel that you don't have to like go someplace that you can like go within it go within like a, a book and be taken on a journey to a place, you know, and certainly music is that way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, it's just how I see perfume. It's not just our brand is armchair travel. All perfume are these little worlds that you're entering. You know, one cool way to describe it in sort of my conception of the universe is like, if, if I'm smelling something right now, even, even on this podcast, like we'll smell cowboy grass and someone on the podcast and, and, you know, it's June right now, maybe they're listening and it's, April of next year. Right. And they can smell cowboy grass. And we're literally entering the same world times apart, but it is the same world that like we're going yeah. into. There's this non-localized energy field concept in like physics. And so I think that that's part of the armchair travel thing is there's a sort of collective space that we can enter into. Just like if we were both looking at the same painting or listening to the same music. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you read um, Master and Margarita, if you read some book, it might look differently in your head, but they are the same like world that we're in, just our own kind of versions. Uh, so I, I like that about art in general. Right. It's a transport of nature. And one of the reasons why I love the brand and I know it's the brand is has a cult following, I think it is because even beyond the fragrances, it's like you're giving us a lexicon for scent in general and mm. building a world. Like I, I now say perfume is armchair travel. I say perfume is art mm. um, or it's a, a silent art form. Right. And it's just building this world of scent that's so approachable. Um, it's important that we do that, right? So, th so this is another thing that I feel passionate about. It's yes. not about like promoting DS and Durga, but right. the magic of what our industry and we all do as perfumers um, and and the brands too is it, it's hard for people to talk about because we don't have the words or the concepts of it. Yes. It's starting though. I mean, look at like the young like TikTok people. They're so happy to get out there and talk about perfume. Love perfume talk. Right. Shout outs to perfume talk. Yeah, look, they're 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 taking it, they're taking that on themselves to to discuss it like uh, as a real art form. Mm -hmm. And I think we all appreciate that in our industry. Um, the one thing that I think is the huge disconnect in our industry is the perfumer's voice is generally silent, right? So we're, we are perfumer yes. designer owned. So if I, if you're smelling something I made, I literally know why I made it, what's in it, how I made it. And there's no 
bullshit between you, me and mm-hmm. you. And so much what happens is there's probably four or 500 perfumers in the world, right? Yeah. Like, like not- Very small There's bunch. not like 10,000. Right. And a brand, you know, two brands that compete with each other will have the same perfumer, make them the thing. And, and maybe someone goes and says, oh, I want this to smell, you know, like my uncle's house in Hawaii in 1975. Well, maybe this perfumer's never been to Hawaii, certainly right. has never been to the uncle's house. And and then they start trying to make this thing, you know, it, it can be very authentic perhaps, but a lot of times it can be like, oh, smell this. Oh yeah. And this is something I was working on and it has- um, mm-hmm. Manoi or Tiare. Yeah. No, or, no, but that would even make more sense. Let's say it has like a, cystus labdanum and and like all, all these things that don't exist in <laughs> yes. Hawaii. And like, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's my uncle's house. So the lie starts there and then they make all the, the marketing uncle's house. And then like, there's the, the uh, you know, the copy and everything. And then in the press interview, uh, you were at the Fifi's, right? Absolutely. How many people get up and say, perfume is an emotion. There's not much to say because they're, they, it's like, they didn't make it. So Yeah, they're they're translating someone else's memory or story, maybe. Well, they or they had the memory. This person who knows how to make perfume made the memory for them and yes. then they took it and they are trying to say like, but it's made with it's all clean. Uh, it's right. it's all natural. Right. It's 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 the most premium. It is French. It is made with the French perfumers. Like there's all this like fearful description mm-hmm. to justify what they are. If they could just be like I brought this to him or her and, you know, it's about my uncle's house and we really worked with it and like thought, you know, my uncle had this old book and this book smelled like geraniums. And th- then it's like so interesting, but yes. for some reason, the perfumer doesn't get to be heard of as much in industry. It's changing though, you know, and I'm working on a TV show thing. I think it'd be so important to like, just Ooh. get out there and be like, guys, perfume's real. We can talk about it, you know? I love that. Yeah. You're going to see me like the way I work, like in the field, like smelling flowers and plants and stuff and talking to people like cultural experiences that, that inform the scent, because that's how it always is. I made a scent for, I've done this so many times for people, but one I can think of is Glenlivet. I made them a fragrance like very early on and I had ideas like before I left, but then I go to Scotland and, you know, I'm, I'm going around the highlands, like really checking out all the plants. And I buy the little book that's like the wildflowers of Scotland so I can identify things. And I read in the book that pineapple weed is, was invasive to Scotland. And I'm, I forget the year, but maybe it was around 1890 or something. And Glenlivet is known as having right off the stills when it's distilled this pineapple note to it. And, the, but I didn't know, like, I wasn't putting any of this together at that time. And then they're like, all right, let's go to the site of the old distillery, like the original one that's that's not there anymore. And we go up and there's like weeds everywhere. And I look and I'm like, dude, and there was pineapple weed all over the, the ground. I was like, that's it. This is it. Like there needs to be the pineapple note. It's the, it was the same year. Oh, that's the other thing. That year that that distillery came is the year that, that pineapple weed invasively was in, in brought into Scotland. Wow. So I was like, look at that. And you couldn't have, you couldn't have known that had you gone there. So if that were, had been a TV show, you would have seen all of these things. And at the end you have your like pineapple note in your whiskey. I love this. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting how it's interesting, the perspective. And I want to talk about some of your fragrance and start with your first creation, but it's really interesting how you take inspiration from everyday life, but they're from, from they can be from stories made up are real, mm-hmm. but you're able to like do the research and kind of, it's almost like it's hearkening back to me. It gives me like an old school apothecary feel of like mm. you going and like looking at all of these ingredients for what they are and connecting them 
um, to the reality or the story. It's 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 a very interesting way to create. Like you said, it's different from yeah. The, I mean, it's the everyday. Like, it's artistic. It's like it's the way like I make music and everything else too. Just to like research and know. And I'm like a voracious reader and like mm-hmm. you know observer of things. And so I think it's just I have a lot of ideas. You know, and then maybe they'll become perfumes or they won't, you know, like, I don't know if my seal's tooth will be a legitimate thing, but I have this great <laughs> platform where I can hand make like a hundred bottles four times a year and make these cool things that are just wild. And sometimes they, people love them. And sometimes, you know, mostly people love them because they're just short. Yeah. Yeah. People love them. Let's well, be they, they're quick, But we're not going to throw a whole, uh, we're not going to make like, you know, a global launch about something that smells like a seal's like tooth. A seal's probably. tooth. However, look, pistachio, which is one of our. I think it's our most successful launch to date. We launched it in January. Yes. I made it as a studio juice where I hand make a hundred bottles La- a year ago, February. And it like just the most crazy amount of uh, comments and people like, Oh my God, you got to put this in line. I want it. I want it. So we, yeah, so, you brought so, it back, yeah, right? so you bring it, bring it into the line. Yeah. It's, it's becoming like a, a way to like test things, you know, and, and also commune with our like uh, fans, uh, one-to-one like at the store and digitally, you know, mm-hmm. like to give us differentiation, you know, in, in places like things. Cause we're, I just make so many things. That's the other, some people I, I see will comment online and be like, Oh my God, this brand's like coming out with like way too many launches. Like as if it's like for any other reason that I just make so much <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, guys, let's, let's put these weird things out, you know? Yeah. And see how they go. And it obviously yeah. resonates with the customer, right? Yeah, uh, for sure. Experience senses armchair travel with a quick tour of the DS and Durga fragrance line. We're about to explore, I don't know what, Debaser and Pistachio. All right, so I'm really excited to smell some fragrances with you. Let's start with Durga. This is the one that Kavi wears all the time. That pretty much just smells like her to me now. Yeah. I mean, it's a very narcotic fragrance that you want to keep smelling. It's because, you know, the orris butter that has 15% iron. So it, it's the, besides oud, it's the most expensive ingredient in the world. And, and I think the reason why is it takes three years to make. Mm-hmm. They have to dry the roots and then grind them into a powder and distill it or make a concrete. Um, hmm. The orris butter, does that give it kind of maybe the smoothie, smooth, powdery vibe? Yeah, right? that like chalky, like purpley, like soft, but like umami and and then it also links up with the really nice musks that are in the base um there's a beautiful musk called cosmone and that's in there um there's something a little sweet is that is that one of the florals one of is that the jasmine or something it's there is jasmine sambach there is tuberose rose and ylang ylang maybe Um, it's ylang ylang it always reminds me of my godmother actually I love Ylang Ylang. I, I found a bush somewhere in St. Bart's one time, I think, to like actually smell it in, in real life. Such a beautiful smell. Absolutely gorgeous. But it's like a poor man's jasmine. Like we don't really talk about it too, too much, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think it's used a lot. I to think, boost, yeah. Yeah, I think also maybe our recognition might be in aromatherapy. Like mm. some of the wellness products we have, they'll call out Ylang Ylang and those were some of my first- No lie, me smelling Ylang Ylang bottle. I can honestly feel it like uh, releases and relaxes my like nervous system. So I take it on airplanes wow. and I and I take a big sniff because airplanes are a little tough for me sometimes. Smell it and like literally like 
calms me. It's it's crazy. All right. I'd love to smell one of your greatest hits as well. Your I don't know what. Let's do I don't know what. So this started this started as it's a fragrance enhancer. And you know, I have a a ton of fancy nice oils that I would wear like directly on my skin, like patchoulis and ouds and rare things, but you put them on and then it it can be just kind of like muddy. Like it's um, the finest naturals. They actually sing better when they're in something, in a perfume rather than like just raw on your skin. So I said, what if I made something that has no real heart, like nothing into right. the interior. It's just what I would put as like the case that displays the beauty of whatever you put it in. Ooh. Like a, you know, a building with no interior. And then you could spray, you know, you could put a drop of patchouli and spray it over a drop of neroli, whatever you want, and have like the world's best patchouli or, or neroli fragrance. So this is what, that was my idea of it. And then, you know, you have this as a toolkit for, people are talking all about layering fragrances now, you Absolutely. know, it wasn't always that case. And, and, and we were saying, yeah, check it out. This is something that is literally made to layer. You could take an old fragrance you no longer like to put a tiny drop on your wrist, spray this over it. And it becomes kind of the heart of like a new thing that is very, modern and transparent and radiant. Uh, that, anyway, that's its conception, but I think probably 90% of people probably just wear it by itself. Yeah. Because I think we like this modern, transparent radiance that's just clean and big sillage, but like not overpowering, like, you know, has like a very pleasing. It's a skin scent. Yeah. I think it just kind of melts in the wearer. Um, it smells different, definitely on blotter, like yeah, most fragrances do. I was just do. thinking, like it's like, strange to me on blotter. Yeah, I, I don't recognize up, it on blotter. There's pieces of things that are sort of like bergamot and vetiver, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, like amberox, like kind of like soft ambergris things, musks, and then these like radiant things, like the inner wet parts of a flower, and uh, you know, isoe super, which is like a really skin soft ambery note. I love this. Simple formula. I think there's like 11 things in it or something. It's so interesting. And you talked about it. You know, you got into a little bit of the fragrance structure here. So for people who don't know, there's a top, there's mid or heart, and then there's base notes. And typically that's the structure of a fragrance. But you've kind of um, cut out uh, some of the, you've cut out the top and the base, the, right? The heart is just the things it's that like just in, the heart. enhance. Um, no, it's not the heart. It's the other it's things. The However, like, you know, I still, we, we put top heart and base, like just for like, you know, to help like make sense of things. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that concept is a little. It's traditional. It's traditional. And like, you're going to perceive like patchouli, which is a base note, like right away in the top sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, like sometimes you wouldn't with sandalwood or it's, it's just, it's a guide. It's a guide. This scent kind of defies the structure, the yeah. traditional structure. Right. It's all structure and no like meat. Okay, let's smell another here. I would love to smell one of my favorite DS and Durga scents with you. Debaser? Geeking out, Debaser. Great. Let's do it. This guy is 40% oil. So it is really unctuous and soft and mm. has a big, it's very like humid, humid fig that has like a, the top note section is more green, pear stem, fresher kind of fig. Then it, as it dries down, you have like the bigger, like juicier fig. And the base, you sort of have a dry blonde wood section to give it structure. It's, probably, it's one of the more like symphonic fragrances that we make. 
symphonic. Meaning like there's a big structure and a, a dramatic like uh, opening into mm-hmm. the bass. You know, it's not just, it's not a short formula. There's a lot, a lot going on. Right. It evolves. Mm-hmm. This is wonderful. I can, I'm like, it's giving me synesthesia and I don't mm-hmm. really have it, but I can smell it. And I feel like as I'm smelling, I can see like the green and the fig in all parts of the fig. Mm-hmm. It's not just like the pulp. Yeah, itself. it gets green and then it gets purpley like later on. Yeah. In in fact, I just found a fig tree that was just sprouting uh in where was that? In Fort Green. And if you rub the leaves of it, what it smells it smells so much like this. It's crazy. It's such a fresh green thing. But we can't use the real fig leaves. They're toxic. You can't use oh. tr- yeah, you see that's a you can't use natural fig. You have to build the accord. And one more we would like to smell um, that's also available on Scentbird for anyone who wants a trial is pistachio. Yep. So everything we talked about is about really deep, re- mm. really deep, rich worlds of fragrance and a lot like going on. This is not that. <laughs> this is just it's pistachio. That's all it is. It is a pistachio. You know, it's like the it's like the pistachio dessert flavor. Like the when you. You know, I worked at this cafe for one day in Williamsburg in like 2003 and like there was this ridiculous green square pistachio cake that was so delicious, but it was like looked so artificial and I was like, ah, pistachio, like it's just such a, it's this flavor that's not the traditional like three, but it is pretty traditional. Like if you went into an ice cream shop and there were five flavors, like a lot of times pistachio would be one of them, but somehow it still seems like an exotic outlier, right? (laughs) Even though it's so common and, uh. It's just, I mean, I made this two Februarys ago, more comments than I've ever had on anything and people just being like, wow, I need to get this. So we're like, let's just enter this into the line in January and it would spend our most successful launch ever. I love this. Yeah. So this is, to me, I thought I was like, I'm going like crazy sweet gourmand, <laughs> but like it, I realize now, like I didn't. I never did gourmands, didn't like think about them, didn't smell other people's perfumes. Now I'm like, oh, okay. Like. There's like crazy sweet dessert gourmands out there oh, yeah. that are essentially like, you Sugar. know, yeah, or like, like cheap soap candle scents that are just like done in perfumes. Mm-hmm. And so, so I think I can push it even farther, you know? Absolutely. But I like, still have to maintain like the elegance to me, at least, you know? Absolutely. This doesn't give me like that indulgent chocolate cake gourmand, obviously, but the addictive piece to it, I think, is the familiarity of the pistachio. And maybe there's a little saltiness. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a wearability. There's a lot of patchouli in it too. I've heard some people be like, "What the hell?" Like, there's a lot. Of, I mean, if you if you go down the rabbit hole, like reading people's comments online about your, about your stuff, it's hilarious. <laughs> the comments it goes down in the comments, like it goes down in the DMs. People are very very passionate about fragrance. Yeah, but and that but it just gets like personal. There's yeah. one guy who wrote something like on Fragrantica. It has to be the meanest thing I've ever read about anyone. It is about like me and like making uh, steamed rainbow. Mm-hmm. But I'm like I can't believe someone would ever like say this. Like yes, it's, yeah. they took time. Yeah, he's out like, of he their smells day. like prison food and like just like saying all this stuff <laughs> like and and <laughs> implying or like uh, thinking that I, you know, like saying like putting words in your mouth that like or not words but like ideas like that a way overthinking the process right yeah well actually now that we're on the topic of steamed rainbow could you tell us tell me about the fragrance steam rainbow and the concept yeah because i so a lot of the perfumes are really like down to earth or like you know like things like 
from somewhere, but this doesn't exist. So I love the idea of this is like definitely a concept because you look in the distance at a rainbow and you're like, how would that smell? And you know, you can make a painting made of paints that aren't rainbows and it looks like a rainbow. Mm -hmm. You can make music that sounds like a rainbow that Mm -hmm. isn't a rainbow. And like, why can't we make a perfume that smells like it? So I took something red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet, put them into the beaker, worked it and worked it so that it started to smell like this, like, you know, silvery, colorful bow out in the, in the humid air of, you know, like a rainy weather. And so it it really does smell what I would think a, a rainbow smells like in the distance. That's amazing. Yeah. And everyone's rainbow is different, right? I think of Skittles now, mm. um, but I am highly susceptible to marketing. No, it makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> Skittles for sure. Taste I think I think it just look. It looks like a soft, like colorful. Yeah, you know, it's definitely a pastel kind of rainbow. Right. On a more serious note, if I'm thinking like, like you know, being more cerebral, I would expect it to be rainy, dewy, mm-hmm. and maybe just have like a softness and, mm-hmm. and maybe a, you know, a beauty, a delicate beauty. To yeah, it. definitely. Right. And, and like the rays of like the silvery metallic sun yeah. kind of thing, you know, something maybe electric to yeah. it. Yeah. Wonderful. Steamed rainbow. You guys are creating scents that come from stories that nobody's thinking of. That's a, I mean, but they're so visceral, like you can feel them and you get it in the two words that are on the bottle sometimes. Yeah, that's right. I'm trying to always get, get, I want the names and the descriptions to be like as short and and precise as possible. That's important to me. And the first fragrance you came up with was Cowboy Grass. As one of the first, yeah, for sure. One of the first. Yeah. And that launched in 2008 and became Mm -hmm. an early hit for you. The description for Cowboy Grass, and I quote is, perfect for robbing banks on horseback. (laughs) Yeah. So could you set the scene for me about how the cowboy grass fragrance came to be? Mm-hmm. I was in bands and like toured, you know, you get in a van and you just like tour across America and you get to see like just how massive America is. Like I really think when you leave Chicago before you get to Colorado, it is massive. Yes. Um, and there's one of the main features you're going to see are like endless fields of flowering like grasses and we and so that you get those smells you know of the flowering herbs on the wind and and grasses and and switchgrass and uh so i knew that it it had to be sort of this west western wild western landscape kind of smell Mm -hmm. but i'm sure i just made it and i was like oh this smells kind of like that and it, it wasn't like we didn't have an identity yet as to what we were doing and like knew all that stuff it just seemed like kind of I don't know. It just happened. Yeah. It seemed like fun. It was fun and just like very lighthearted in the beginning. I'd love to smell it with you. Yeah. I mean, so to be honest, this is like one of the weirdest scents we make for sure. This is not, <laughs> this is not how I'd ever introduce my brand to anyone. Um, but it does have like some of our DNA in there. It is like a strange, strange fragrance done in a wearable way. Um, but it's not what I would lead with showing people, you know? Right, but it's one of your first creations. It's kind of, is it perhaps, would you say Cowboy is maybe a blueprint for some of your other fragrances? What did you learn from the creation? I didn't know what I was doing when I made this fragrance. This is like such a strange combination of herbs and vetiver and citrus. Love Um, it though. Yeah, I mean, it always surprised me who who likes it. This is not my style of fragrance to wear. It reminds me of my dad actually. Huh. Because there's a freshness to it. It feels comforting and warm it could be because i'm from the midwest so i'm no right. stranger to a i mean it has grasses. that like 
dry, like leathery crackle of, of Vetiver Ver and like sort of it's basil that gives it this sort of intense, sharp mm. greenness to it. Um, and the flowering herbs like rose and lavender. Uh, it always surprised me who likes it though, because I know like tech pros that like it, girls that like <laughs> it. I remember David Beckham bought a bottle of it a long time ago, you know, like, what? yeah, it was very like badass. What do you about, um, cowboy grass do you think people actually enjoy? Well, actually, I think it is it is a, a hidden thing that you can't tell. But so everyone, I mean, there's herbs, which are very familiar to a lot of people, right? Mm -hmm. Vetiver is one of the world's great. Uh, yeah. Great note. Yeah, it just like equalizes everything, right? And then there is a, a lot of musk in the base that like a soft, like easy musk that I think is comforting with all such the, the craggly, scratchy stuff. It's It's wonderfully smooth to me. It's pretty smooth. Um, it's it's really great. And another thing I I love about the brand is the liner notes and how mm. everything's related to music. But also, you have a literal playlist for yeah. for your sense. Each one of these fragrances is its own little world. So you have the name and my description and the notes. You have the liner notes where I'm telling you even more about like what it's yeah. about. Um, and then the playlist gives like the soundtrack to it. There's images. Sometimes there's movies for it because it's it's a world that can keep regenerating. It's like think about it. There's plenty of people like, oh, my signature scent is cowboy grass. Yes. So like I made it and it's part of our brand, but it's, it's your thing. Like you, you're mm. wearing it all the time now and it's you and it's part of your conception of who you are. And that's such a powerful, cool thing. So this is just like helping to, you know, the world building thing, like the cowboy grass one's amazing. It's all like great Western cowboy music and like, you know, Dolly Parton, Hank Williams, and just great Americana music. It's time for Scent Connection, Ingredients Edition. Brittany brings up an ingredient David has used in his fragrances and asks him to share the feeling or memory that immediately comes to mind. Um, don't think too hard on it, just like what comes to mind. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Are you ready to play a game? Rock and roll. All right. The first one I have is bergamot. Like the easiest thing that just everyone likes. Just it's like one of the three most important perfume materials and very not basic, like in a negative way, but just like perfume 101. Perfume 101. Is there a story you have about bergamot or the note it's itself? It's like saying, it's like the, like if you're a painter, like the color, like red, like bergamot, bergamot <laughs> is just one of the most used things in perfume. Uh, where my first conception of smelling bergamot is probably in Earl Grey tea somewhere in like high school, right? Cause that's what it is. I love it. You yeah. started drinking Earl Grey in high school. That's really cool yeah. of you. I just love tea. Tea is like one of my biggest passions. Yeah. I would love to go to a tea tasting with you one day. For sure. Um, this one's a little bit unique to perfumery, but does a feeling or memory come to you when you think of bell pepper? Um, yeah. I think when I, when I smell the snap of a bell pepper, um, it brings me probably to like my parents' kitchen and just like there's nothing fresher smelling to me in the world than a bell pepper. Okay, another ingredient. Um, what comes to mind um, when you think of concrete? Uh, the city, the smell of the city. The good smells? With the concrete, smells? sure, yeah. I mean, it's like industrial though. It's not like, it's the synthetic world we live in now kind of thing. You yeah. know, like the beauty, seeing, seeing beauty in whatever we're in, you know? 
because the people in the 1200s also thought that like the newest thing was like maybe not pure. So this is this problem with like humans. We're always thinking that our time is like the impure one or something. But you know, <laughs> when you find the beauty in everything, and so there's beauty in concrete too. Absolutely, I love that quote. There's beauty in concrete too. Do you have a memory that comes up when you think of Pine Absolute? Well, to me, Pine Absolute itself is the smell of the underbrush of the pine tree more than like, like the pine oil smells more like the air around the pine, but Pine Absolute has that really like beautiful underbrush of pine smell to it. Um, and I'm from like this town north of Boston, right behind my parents' house are the woods. So conifers in general makes, brings me back to, to New England or any like Northern climb. Cause even, even though New England is an access point for me, what, mm -hmm. If you go into those woods, it goes much deeper into mythology, like Norse and Celtic things, and you know. Ooh. So, it's 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 a starting point there, but it goes much deeper and makes me think of like lots of northern mythological things. That's really cool. I thought you were going to just say Christmas. <laughs> right, I'm a Jew, but yeah. well, fair. That's why you have more. Yeah, <laughs> more but of I a make lexicon. The Christmas candles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. And the last one I will say um, is a personal favorite of mine, um, but I'm not sure I've ever seen a real one in real life. What do you think of when you think of, or what comes to mind when you think of black currants? Um, well, okay. The, in, in real life, like a black currant that you eat, like, in, like I lived in the mountains of Switzerland, it's all over the place there that's grown. That is like insanely tart. Um, delicious on like toast, but like, you know, very tart and not sweet. Like some people would not like the taste of it, but in perfumery, it's very, it's the absolute of it has a really, um, like sweaty, uh, but it's a word like scratchy. That's the word it has a really like scratchy herbal note underneath that fruit. Um, and you can play with it and use it for different things. It's quite strong. You know, it can go towards like a BO thing if you use too much of it. Yeah, a little funky, right? Yeah, it can, it, can be, it can be really funky, but it can also be pulled. Because of this, it can be very sexy too, right? Like because BO and that whole thing. So you can pull it in that direction and make it sweeter and fruitier or more like, you know, uh, raw body smells of like, you know, a quite herbal, it is a very herbal smell. I love it. Yeah. I love every time I see that note call out, I'm like, there chances are I'll like it because of kind of what's what's done to it and how is it Is your blends. conception like the liquor? Like I think so. Like a Kia like uh, Royale probably yeah, is how okay. I think of it. Right. And that is made with it. And that and like that's that's a good example where like, you know, black currants have nothing sweet about them. That's yeah. just a ton of sugar put in with it, gives it that flavor. Um, which I mean I find very pleasant too, but it's a really tart, intense taste by itself. Yeah, I didn't know They're that. very healthy though, you know, uh, like when you're fighting a cold and that whole thing, hmm. right? Like the, the currants themselves, or am I thinking of elderberry maybe? So to wrap up our conversation today, I'd love to hear from your perspective after your amazing journey in launching the DS and Durga brand, what's one piece of advice that you'd share with someone who is looking to start their own thing and enter the world of fragrance? Um, well, starting your own thing in general, I, I think the best advice is just do it, right? Just, just do it Like get start and like make it happen and like manifest it and it might not work and you'll fail and you'll always feel like you have to swallow your pride and like grow and, you know, it's not easy. Um, getting into perfume, it depends on, you know, 
unless you're going to become a perfumer, that's a whole other thing. It's like saying, you know, do you want to work for a record label or do you want to learn to play the guitar and write songs? Right. Like, they're totally different things, right? Yeah. So, you know, start working at a perfume company uh, and learn things. Um, but if you want to be a perfumer, buy um, every oil that you can get your hands on and make stuff and write it all down and, and figure it out. But it's really hard with a regulatory. Like you might make something that you think smells awesome, but chances are you're not supposed to put it on your skin because of regulations. So you need to know the regulations and that's a really like internal thing. It's not easy. It's not easy. Um, would you say if you were to go back in time and give yourself a message in 2007, 2008, when you started the brand, what message would you give yourself? Um, it'll work out. Like, I mean, I, I think I knew too. Like I didn't, I wouldn't worry. Cause you know, it's, it's what you, it's all attachment, right? If you, if you're attached to things and I'm not saying I'm not attached to things, we are naturally, but you have to work. It's human. Yeah. But you have to work to de-entangle those attachments because you either learn from wisdom or suffering. There's only two ways to learn, right? It's it. There's no other way. Someone, you read somewhere or like in tune some wisdom from something and you're like, ah, oh, yeah, that's what I should do. Or you suffer and you're like, oh, wow, that sucked. I'm not going to do that again. Like those, those are the two ways. So I guess. Yeah. yeah. So don't give up because yeah, everything is a lesson. For sure. Perseverance is the key to success for anyone. And like, you know, you're going to have to swallow your pride all the time. It happens to me all the time. We're, you know, we're still so small and, you know, that's how it is. I love it. I love it. This is great. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. For sure. That was Brittany Jackson Mosley and David Seth Maltz from DS and Durga, based in New York City. Up next on Scent World, a story of reinvention and new beginnings with the iconic perfumer and beauty entrepreneur, Joe Malone, CBE. You've been listening to Scent World. Know a fragrance lover who would enjoy the show? Share Scent World and bring them on a journey of self-expression through scent. Scent World is a Scentbird original series produced by Flowship. Today's episode was executive produced by Maria Nurislamova. Produced by Mike Giordani. Edited by Ramiro Gava. Mixed by Alex Roses. Production support by Peely Melendez. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.